Hello and welcome to the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the markets and helps you make smart choices with your investments. These are entirely our own views and that of our guests. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that'll be happy to chat if you need. Welcome to the latest ASB Investor Podcast. I'm Chris Tennant-Brown and I'm joined by Victoria Harris, who is a Portfolio Manager at Independent Investment Specialist Firm Devon Funds Management. Victoria's been my guest on a podcast we did earlier this year about the local share market and she had some fantastic insights, so we've invited her back. We're going to reflect on the year that's been for the New Zealand economy and share market and share some thoughts on the outlook for 2022. So uh, welcome to our virtual recording, Victoria. How are you going? Hi, Chris. I'm good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I'm probably a little bit tired of uh, being at being at home, um, but you're back in the office um, for a few weeks. How's that going? Yeah, no, it's good. It's kind of, it's it's surprising how quickly you can revert back to normal. I went to a restaurant this weekend as well, and it was <laughs> it was quite um, quite interesting. Yeah, how quickly you can get used to being waited on at a table um, again, and, and everything kind of reverts back to normal pretty quickly. So. Yeah, it feels like we've been back in the office for a while now. Um, yeah, kind of miss working from home. <laughs> Dare I say it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I'm still working at home, so I'm very much looking forward to getting back into the office. But uh, yeah, I've had my first meal out and uh, over 100 days on Friday. And actually, like you said, it, it just felt surprisingly normal. The mm. same uh, as just a little local place and actually the, the well, the staff were the same. Uh, some of the guests there were the same and... Um, we uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it. The only thing that was different was my uh, my stomach had definitely um, forgotten how to eat uh, lots of rich food and desserts and things. So I yes. I, uh, I definitely felt like I'd eaten too much once we got home. But um, hopefully uh, all of that stuff will become a bit more familiar. And uh, as we roll into Christmas, my stomach's definitely going to get a few more challenges. So um, yeah. <laughs> same here, same here. <laughs> yeah, it certainly feels like we're in summer, and it's nice to see things. Um, reopening. And um, just for some background um, for our listeners, um, you know, you've got a stack of experience in financial markets about over the past 10 years or more, but we'll really tap into um, your uh, expertise on the local market because people have been saying what's behind this uncharacteristically flat year for um, local shares. But we'll get some insights into what's going on Aussie as well, because at the end of the day, we do tend to treat Australasia as um, and one investment uh, market mm. when we're building a diversified portfolio. So we'll touch on some of that stuff too. Hey, so let's start with a big picture question. Of all the years you've been working in markets, how would you rate uh, 2021 in terms of challenges? Yeah, well, definitely a challenging one. I think 2020 was the the year that gave me the most grey hairs. And then <laughs> 2021 was was the one that probably kept me the most busy in terms of uh, yeah, I guess coming out of coming out of COVID, so much to navigate, still so much uncertainty um, and unknowns. I guess also it was a challenge because I constantly had to question myself. And I think as soon as you think you have got some certainty, uh, the pandemic really kind of you know threw that into disarray again, and 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 that was reflected in in, in the volatility that we saw in in the, in the share market. We also saw a lot of acceleration of trends and you know, constantly asking ourselves, are they going to continue? Um, roto- rotations back from uh, you know, value to growth and then also from these kind of stay-at-home 
to, um, you know, vaccine beneficiary baskets that we like to call them. You know, so there was a lot of rotation under the hood going on. And they've also got a whole lot of macro factors, a lot of government stimulus and then government stimulus rolling off. And it was, uh, yeah, I guess for, for me personally, it was, I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 10 years, but it's been 10 years of a bull market. So it's been, um, I wouldn't say easy, but it's been, you know, a, a lot more seamless. And I think the last two years, so yeah, 2020 and then 2021 have definitely taught me a lot in terms of the benefits of being an active manager and, and, and needing to, uh, you know, I guess constantly come in with a fresh set of eyes and look at, look at markets objectively. And I guess just pull in a lot more, uh, factors in terms of you know when making decisions um, about what to invest in really. Yeah, I think those are really interesting comments, and I found um, you know going back for my uh, career, I've had a few plunges in the um, late nineties, early two thousands in the GFC, and two thousand and twenty was was really scary at times for investors, and it really challenged me because markets fell so far. Uh, but ultimately, it was really rewarding for people that stuck with their strategies. And, um, you know, for my uh, job as, a, as an economist and a commentator, um, to see that happens really, um, really rewarding mm. because people ultimately get benefits that they can see. Whereas this year has just been confusing. Yes, um, yeah. Firstly, um, because our share market's been so out of sync um, and, and just really gone sideways. And, and secondly... Um, Normally we look at equity markets when we're looking for reasons why portfolios might be down, but with this very rapid increase we've seen in interest rates, um, that's hard to explain as well. So this has just been a challenging year to communicate mm. with investors about what's been going on with markets. And yeah, like we are talking about before, working from home has gone from being a novelty to quite a challenge. Mm. And I think it's also made us realise that you know, you need to stick to your knitting in terms of investing in quality companies and taking a long-term view because there's, you never know what's going to be around the corner, um, you know, whether it be short-term volatility or, a, a, you know, a global pandemic. And I think it's really made me realise that, yes, I, you know, you say you invest for the long-term and then, you know, you can you know, jump in and out of things pretty quickly, but it's really making sure that, you know, you stick to the winners, I guess, and hold on to those quality companies that will most likely come out of this a lot stronger. And so it was just really kind of sticking to your gut and, and investing, you know, for the long term as, as we should. Yeah. And likewise for someone with a diversified portfolio or, a, you know, a KiwiSaver account mm. who um, I always say, hey, well, you've got through this year and if you've got 20 years before retirement, um, I don't use the word guarantee lightly, but I will guarantee that there'll be other periods over over the period of your savings lifetime that you'll you'll experience some moments of weakness in markets yeah. and, and volatility that's uncomfortable. So um, yeah, sticking to your knitting, like you say, and and hey, that was one of the things we talked about in in, in the last uh, podcast was some of your investment maxims um, that you use. Um, and so I was interested to know how's the curve your investment education platform for women and your own podcasts going. Has the lockdown stuffed that up for the time being or what's happening there? Yeah, it's definitely, um, we've definitely had to pivot <laughs> um, and, and adjust to, to lockdown. It obviously came as a surprise to everyone and to us and the curve as well. We obviously hold live in-person events. They're kind of our, our bread and butter. We couldn't do any of that, so we pivoted online, which was actually quite amazing. We saw a huge response in terms of, 
attendees outside of Auckland and outside outside of New Zealand even, um, which kind of has blown us away. So it's uh, yeah, it might have might have disrupted things in the short term, but we've actually been able to reach a lot more women across New Zealand and in Australia, which is great. We were able to get into the studio and record, so we have launched season two of our podcast as of last week. So that's coming out, and I think. COVID's just really given us a lot more to talk about as well. It's also made people, you know, obviously it's it's in the headlines and, and people are concerned and worried and it's really just made us, you know, I guess, I guess hone in on what we've always said, like like I just said in terms of investing for the long term and, and you know, taking that long-term view. And we actually did some stats around uh, the New Zealand market and in the last 20 years, there's only been five years that, that the market has finished down. And, you know, when you put that kind of, uh, in perspective, people get less concerned about about a year where the market is underperformed. So, you know, you kind of say, okay, well, five, you've got 15 years of good years and, and five bad. And, you know, in the scheme of things, that, that's that's not too bad. So, um, yeah, we, I mean, we're looking forward to getting back and having in-person events. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty busy in terms of what we've got in the pipeline. So hopefully I'll get a little bit of a summer break over Christmas. But yeah, we've just been blown away by you know, the interaction and, and, and the response response to date. Oh, that's, yeah, that's good. We're, we've um, done the same thing. Pivot seems to be a term we use when we uh, <laughs> suddenly have to change to something we hadn't thought of before. And um, we've had some um, pretty decent sized virtual events uh, at ASB as well this year and good attendance at the ones that I did. And like you say, it's quite a nice... Um, how you can have some contact with people that otherwise probably wouldn't have been there. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see how we balance that in the in the future. I, I, I certainly really enjoy the face-to-face contact. And, um, Same here, yeah. But, but see some benefits as, as, as well. And you, you've talked about the benefits of um, getting better at online stuff for covering all the businesses that you um, have to analyse too. So this is, um, I guess we're... 2022 might be the year where we're balancing out some of that virtual contact versus hopefully a bit more face-to-face. <laughs> yes, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. I mean, I, I did you say that at the end of 2020? I uh, I certainly did. Yeah. And uh, here we are at 2021 saying the same thing. <laughs> Keeps getting pushed out year after year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the idea of the year and, and maybe it'll happen next year. But, hey, let's turn to the local share market. And with, um, well, we've got a few weeks to go, but, but we're down about 3% since the start of the year, whereas the Aussie markets are... Uh, is is up eight percent or more when I cut the numbers earlier this week in the global share market by even more. So we really are um, we really are out of out of sync, and there's a lot of factors behind this divergence. So um, let's chat about those. But equally important, hear your thoughts on the outlook for some of the stocks and sectors in the local market. So, hey, first up. Um, you know, winding the clock back a year, um, we were seeing um, contact and Meridian share prices go through the roof and, and driving the overall market up um, due to some that really high demand from exchange-traded fund buying. And then, then prices dropped off when that fund changed its weighting. That was the thing I remember about the start of the year. Mm. Um, but how are those range of electricity companies, how have they gone through the year and what's the outlook for them? I mean, they're really popular um companies that have been good dividend payers for New Zealand investors. So what are your thoughts around that area? Yeah, so I guess, yeah, jumping back to kind of what you said, the, the, the NZX has actually been, it's been a 
pretty challenging year this year for our market, and it's been the, the third worst performing developed market in in the world, which is quite amazing. And and yeah, it's been dragged down by mainly the large caps. So you've Meridian, um, Ryman, Contact, and and A two Milk as well. We have actually had earnings growth. So we've had about seven percent earnings growth this year, uh, which has been driven by that those COVID beneficiary names. So with the market actually falling, we've had multiple compression. So this is the first time we've seen multiple compression in the New Zealand market since 2011. So um, in terms of the utility names, so the contacts and uh, meridians, for example, yet, like you said, this, this, this time last year, they were seeing this huge in, inflow um, in terms of what we call passive or index buying with, with one of the largest clean energy ETFs. And I actually had breakfast this morning with a broker who said, um, yeah, last year that they were keen for a pretty chilled out uh, Christmas, New Year period. And then all this um, ETF buying came in, in, in Meridian and contact. And it was just a, you know, a really hectic time of, time of year for them. So, so going back to that, they, then that, that rebalance happened and all that led to those names getting downweighted in the index and led to uh, share, price, share price fall. So... Um, and those those names have underperformed the market uh, t- for the for this this entire year really. Um, now Meridian, I guess that's down about forty percent now, um, and that's off the back of a combination of so we've got rising interest rates um, here in New Zealand, and then also that it's on a very high price to earnings multiple. Um, so I guess looking forward, we actually uh, we still really like that the, the space in general. You know, I think it's 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 a you know particularly for me who runs I run, I run a sustainability fund. You know, these are two names that predominantly feature in that fund. Um, and so with contacts, why we prefer this one is that it is the cheapest name in the sector from a valuation perspective. It trades on around kind of twelve times EBITDA, and it's got the highest and the greatest improvement. Um, and renewable share of generation over the next five years. So it's expected to get to about 90% renewable um, by 2024. It's also got a very attractive dividend yield. And the great thing about this is around contact is that it has no government ownership. So um, it's kind of a sitting duck in terms of, um, you know, from an M&A perspective. Um, Yeah, I guess historically that gen tailors don't tend to outperform in rising interest rate environments, but I do think that there's a lot of valuation support, particularly in contacts. Um, And yeah, I guess this is why we kind of take a portfolio approach and, and, you know, we hold positions accordingly in terms of valuations and outlooks. But, you know, we are still pretty positive on on this space, you know, despite it having underperformed um, this year. Yeah, I've, I've sometimes thought the best way to look at these stocks is to cut out the, the mountain um, or the price spike and just look at how they've gone and, and, and they still hold those characteristics of being good income generators. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's positive to hear your thoughts about, uh, about, about that. Um, another thing that uh, that uh, we get questions about, and it always troubles me a little bit and, and confuses investors, is the ownership structure and and motivators within the within the dairy sector. I mean, if we look at dairy prices itself, we're we're forecasting a um, a, a milk price for farmers this year of around eight seventy five eight dollars seventy five per kilo of milk solids. Which, if we get that, it'll be a, it'll be a record. So it sounds like dairy is is good, but of course that's a an input cost for um, for the dairy dairy manufacturers. Um, 
and uh, and it hasn't been a good year for the dairy stocks on the NZX. How have you approached that, and what are your thoughts around the listed stocks like A2 and Fonterra, Shareholders Fund, Sinlay, etc., that have that have been at the bottom end of the uh, of the market performance this year? Yeah, yeah. So like like you said, it is a good good environment for farmers, but uh, you know there isn't many quality ways to play dairy on the stock market, which seems surprising for <laughs> a country like New Zealand. So like Fonterra, for example. Uh, from our point of view, is pretty uninvestable. Just in terms of the structure, um, the structure is set up to benefit the unit holders or the, or the farmers over shareholders. So from a shareholder perspective, we find it quite difficult to to actually invest in, 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 in that company. Um, in terms of Simlay and A2, they've had a mountain of other issues going on uh, and they kind of move in tandems because A2 owns owns around 20% of, of Simlay. I guess with with A2, it gets a lot of airtime. time. Um, you know, it had it, it was a market darling uh, back in its day, and it's had it has had a really tough, you know, end of twenty twenty and uh, you know the start of start of twenty twenty one with 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 all those inventory issues. So, I guess taking a step back, it relied a lot on this Daigu channel. So Chinese people buying product in Australia, New Zealand, and sending it over to uh, taking it over to to China to to resell effectively. And that was all well and good when you know the the, the, the when the sale revenue is growing and you know that demand is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But then when no travel was introduced, that just led to a huge unraveling of of of, of these inventory issues. It showed the lack of visibility that the management and, and the company had on that sales channel. Um, and nobody was really asking questions when it was going well. But when that starts to unwind, they had you know significant amounts of inventory in the system which they had to get rid of uh, which means you know led to price reductions which led to possible you know brand damage in terms of in terms of that price point of the of the infant form of the products then the communication that the management gave to to shareholders um, and to investors was was pretty lackluster so um, yeah that had been a significant underperformer this year um, for a number of issues. I guess looking forward, where we're seeing a, a real increase in competition in the space, um, as well as there's been a lot of uh, lack of babies being born in China during the pandemic, which is kind of kind of ironic for me because I'm I, I'm just seeing more and more of my friends are kind of bringing forward their baby plans rather than rather than delaying them. Um, so we're kind of seeing the opposite here in New Zealand and Australia, but over there it's it's uh, you know the pandemic is an environment that you really want to raise raise children in right now. So they're, they're delaying that. So that's, they've got short-term issues and possibly, you know, more longer-term issues. So we're pretty pretty sceptical on, on, on A2 Milk at the moment and just think, uh, you know, there's better kind of, better opportunities elsewhere um, for investors' money at the moment. Yeah, it, it, it really highlights a, a difference uh, between a macroeconomist um, approach like ours where we look at what's the impact of what's going on here for the entire economy? Mm. So whenever we see something like very high commodity prices uh, in dairy um, or, in, or in meat for that matter, um, we, th- we just straight away translate that to a, an income boost for the regions in, in New Zealand. But your comments really highlight that um, that doesn't necessarily mean when you invest in these companies that you're actually investing in the macro mm. story. It's quite different. 
Yes, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the really interesting comments. And, and the good news from us from an economic perspective is just to see a really good rural income story for, for New Zealand, particularly when we know that one of the um, rural income streams, uh, tourism, is probably still going to be fairly challenging um, over the coming quarters. So it's nice to think that um, they'll have confidence in what's coming in from the, uh, from the farm at least. Hey, now another thing we've discussed that you hinted at before um, is these COVID winners and, and, and losers. Um, in other words, stocks that have benefited during the pandemic, like the stay-at-home businesses and, and healthcare stocks like Fisher and Paykel Healthcare. And then I guess we have the um, reopening winners and losers, for want of a better term, as, as, as well. So um, what's your core view you're taking on the economy reopening? And what does it mean for some of the big local companies that have had their outlooks changed so much for good and bad during the during the last year and will, will change again over 2022? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we, we've tried not to take a big swing either way in terms of kind of reopening or, um, you know, stay at home because I guess what we've seen with, with Omicron, you know, it, it, as soon as you take that swing, you know, something comes up that, that reverses that. So we're trying to take a more balanced view in terms of you know, the portfolios just due to the you know the uncertainty out there and the fact that we don't think it's going to be a kind of linear recovery. It's going to be a bit more bumpy. So we do take we have taken advantage of market weakness though where we kind of think it's appropriate like the, the last couple of days. But in terms of an environment with COVID, uh, one that stands out is obviously Fisher and Paykel Healthcare. They did fantastically well uh, during COVID. I mean, their sales really just um, follow hospitalisation rates in the US and Europe. So as we saw those peaking in 2020 and even in the start of 2021, um, we, you know, they, they, their, their sales kind of followed suit. Um, they actually had the result just the other week and this company is now 15% of the index. So it's, it does get a lot of attention from, from the market as it should. Um, but I guess because they provide the ventilation devices and markets and masks to the hospitals, yeah, when we start to see those hospitalisation rates fall off a cliff, it does beg the question of, okay, well, what does what is, what is 2022 look like and, and beyond? And this has been the biggest question mark around the stock and hence the kind of um, the, the, the performance has been pretty lacklustre this year. Um, because markets are forward-looking and we're, we're, we've seen this huge pull forward in demand for their products. So you've now got this huge installed base, which you need to then grow on top of again. And, you know, the market's forecasting, I think, about a 20% decline in, in, in earnings uh, next year. But, you know, the consensus is very wide at the moment, whether that's negative 5 or negative 25, um, you know, that, and that's on the back of a 100% increase uh, in FY21. But... I mean, this is one of New Zealand's most successful businesses. It's got a very high, um, high quality management team and a history of great executions. So um, that's kind of why it trades on on over fifty times uh, earnings. But so there is a bit of you know you back the back the management team here. But in terms of the underlying environment, it does look like there is you know quite a few headwinds um, you know for the next 12, 24 months for their business. And in terms of companies like the. Um the airlines, the travel stocks, it's its the same sort of thing that, mm. hey, you, if, you, if you took a big swing and thought this is all over, well, then the likes of 
Auckland International Airport and New Zealand look good. But as as we've seen, even in recent weeks, you just can't do that because things keep coming along that change mm. change how strong the reopening will be for, for these companies. Totally. And it is a case of, um, you know, with the Air New Zealands and Auckland airports, that it is a case of, of of when not if you know we will we will get back to travel and I think we will get back to traveling in a meaningful way but with these new variants it just keeps getting pushed out and pushed out and pushed out and they're now talking we had a call with the with um, with the travel company just yesterday and, and they're saying um, you know in Australia no, no international travel um, you know, significant international travel to 2023 and we'll probably be the same so it's, the earnings profile just keeps getting pushed out and pushed out and pushed out and as an investor um, you know, you are long-term investors, but you start to find opportunities elsewhere, which, which, which are a bit, I guess, a bit more, um, you know, solid in terms of being able to see when that actual earnings recovery is. Um, I mean, Auckland Airport has done fantastically well this year. I mean, it went from ten dollars before COVID down to five dollars, now it's back to eight, so it's nearly back at its pre-COVID levels. So there is a lot already priced in in these in these kind of names yet the earnings recovery keeps getting pushed out. So, you know, it's a pretty kind of unattractive, in our opinion, kind of risk and return profile at the moment just because there's so much already priced in. But we've definitely tilted the portfolio more to kind of value cyclical names versus growth, um, you know, just in terms of that uh, global reopening, um, you know, an Australasian reopening, reopening story because it is a case of kind of when, not if. Mm. On a completely personal note, um, <clears throat> I got an email today that uh, highlighted that an awful lot of roadworks had been done around Auckland Airport, so it was going to be easier when it did reopen for us to get out there, which is which is good, having put up with some pretty gnarly um, roadworks and, and cone action uh, the last few times I could travel, which was yes. over 100 <laughs> days ago now, obviously. Hey, one of the um, one of the things um, economists are still licking their wounds on about is um, the housing uh, price boom we saw during the pandemic. In contrast with the declines we normally see in a in a severe recession, um, and low interest rates clearly were part of that. But now we're getting higher interest rates. It should cool suit things somewhat. Um, but the construction outlook um, still looks still looks really solid. And when we look at the latest building data for the third quarter, it actually looks like construction held up reasonably well during the um, during the latest lockdown as as well. So, what's your thought on how construction's panning out and what it means for the likes of um, Fletcher Building? Yeah, well, Fletcher Building it's it's been it's been pretty weak. Uh, you know, especially. Yeah, but before, when we went into lockdown, um, you know, we had no construction that was allowed. Um, so that again just pushed out that recovery a bit, um, and it hasn't really recovered. I mean, it's it's had a good couple of days um, recently, but um, hasn't really recovered since then. And you know, we are hearing of of, of significant price inflation in building products, cement, etc., which is positive for the likes of Fitch Building because it's got such a you know monopoly position and can. It just easily pass those on, but then you've also got the supply chain issues, which is leading to, you know, shortages and it not being able to take advantage of of those price increases as much as it could have. But like you mentioned, yeah, the market, the the stock market's forward looking, uh, and it's the market is becoming increasingly uh, concerned about the the impact of rising interest rates on demand, plus the record high uh, consents uh, in terms of supply. So. 
yeah, house price inflation has such a significant influence on consumer confidence and in, in relation to that, the share price performance of, of, of these cyclical names like Fletcher Building, you'd also lump in the retirement names into that, so Somerset and Ryman. So, you know, a lot of these names have been pretty weak in terms of um, because of those rising interest rates. Um, but I think from an evaluate, evaluation perspective, Fletcher Building does actually look, look quite attractive. Um, and it's got about a 5% dividend yield. But yeah, you do have to monitor that house price inflation. And, and if we start to see that coming off because of higher interest rates and um, yeah, we, we're constantly looking forward and thinking, you know, how can this impact impact earnings? Yeah, I think the construction sector and dairy for me go hand in hand with that earlier comment I made that um, just because economists are forecasting a phenomenal outlook for a particular sector, mm. um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy to invest in in, in, in New Zealand. And, and Fletcher Building certainly had its ups and ups and downs with that. Yes. So, um, but it looks like uh, to us that we um, we should still see plenty of cranes over the year ahead. And hey, let's jump across the Tasman because um, construction's been a big um, big story over there. And as a portfolio manager, are you seeing opportunities over there relative to there? construction both in infrastructure as well as um as 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 housing and residential yeah so i guess yeah like you said we are seeing similar trends um in australia as well um you know luckily fletcher building it's dual listed and i and, and we actually hold it in our australian fund we hold the aussie stock in, in our australian fund so uh, we get the benefit of that as well um you know the, the, in, 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 in the australian fund uh the other names over there, like James Hardy, uh, that's done fantastically well, but that's more kind of US housing. But what we're actually seeing is a lot of the building products companies outperform in Aussie, uh, similar to kind of to here in New Zealand, but uh, Wes Farmers, so um, that owns Bunnings. Uh, Bunnings is going from strength to strength. And I think that's a bit around also you're stuck at home, you're doing your DIY, um, you know, as well as the trade side as well, which is more con- resi construction. Um, we actually had Metcash, which is a uh, which owns a whole lot of supermarkets in Australia, report their result on Monday, and they have recently acquired what they call Total Tools, which is like a Bunnings but more trade focused, and that was just going that just blew the lights out in terms of uh, its results. So we're really seeing a lot of strength in that kind of resi construction. Uh, sector and then yes like you mentioned the um, you know more kind of commercial infrastructure side um, all those names are again going going from strength to strength as well so we're really seeing it um, across the board um, in, in Australia as well. Just uh, sticking with Aussie there's we've discussed this before that there's some big differences between the two two share markets that um, explain some of the divergence in performance um, and in particular the nature of the commodities, um, you know, the hard commodity um, resource stocks uh, in Aussie and the banking stocks that make up a huge um, part of the Australian market. So what are the themes you're seeing with those sectors and is that behind some of the outperformance? Um, maybe um, starting with the banking stocks, how's that gone and what's your thought on the outlook there? Yeah, the banks have had a great run. Like, uh, obviously, they weren't, uh, yeah, people were quite skeptical, you know, when COVID hit and how that would impact the banks and lending. And then it, it wasn't as bad as expected. And the banks have come out a lot stronger, you know, in terms of their, their balance sheets. And they are in a much stronger position now than they were, you know, 24 months ago. Um, but 
with the banks, they they I think housing accounts for around sixty or seventy percent of the the bank loan portfolios and um, Australian bank loan portfolios. So again, coming back to that housing uh, price discussion, they do very much rely on on kind of what happens in in the mortgage market, and it's always been hard to call the top of kind of the Australian housing cycle. But we are we are seeing the headwinds, you know, are growing um, given higher interest rates. They've got looming kind of macro prudential breaks um, and also the rising regulatory capital intensity over there as well. So I think, you know, we, well, there's capital management, which which should remain a, head, a sorry, a tailwind for, for banks, um, you know, in terms of share buybacks. Um, they think, I think there's going to be some uh, net interest margin headwinds going forward. So... Yeah, we could see some more share buybacks, which the market loves. And I think, uh, I think the, it's, the banks is a tough one because they are such a large portion of the index. They're about twenty percent of the the ASX two hundred. So you do, you know, need to have a position. Um, you know, either way, whether you're kind of underweight or overweight, or um, and they do tend to all four banks tend to tend to kind of move and move and sink a bit. So um, yeah, I think. There's a bit of a changing changing of the guard as well in terms of some banks that have underperformed that are starting to do better now, um, and other ones that have done particularly well, um, you know, haven't haven't produced such good results. So, uh, oh, it's a tough one. But on the whole, I think yeah, the risk reward looks definitely looks more muted going forward than it did. Um, but then again, yeah, the strong GDP growth that we're seeing and and kind of that again that economy reopening in Australia should help, you know, support. Um, growth in the banks, yeah. Yeah, I, I know firsthand from being inside one that yeah. when the housing market's busy, uh, pretty much the majority of people uh, in, in the banks will be busy. And, and yeah, the interest rates within our own forecasts are definitely a headwind to house price um, uh, appreciation. Um, the other thing which I think has been surprising and, and good news for the bank, which ties in with our earlier conversation, is is just how much stuff everyone in, in, within a bank is able to get done within this uh, with this, within this environment, and um, mm. that's that's just been staggering. So, um, hey, the um, the other the other difference um, that's key is the is the resource sector, which is so big for 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 Aussie with those big hard commodity stocks what are you what are you seeing there and um you know what are your thoughts on the price outlook for some of these really important um things you know, iron ore and, and coal in particular for aussie yeah again it's it's been a pretty volatile sector um we saw them the resources names in in, in general outperform you know kind of the first half of this year the first six months and in the last couple of months they've really fallen off a cliff as the um as the iron ore price has as well. So, um, and that it, it really just follows um, commodity prices as you'd expect. So, you know, when we saw increase in demand for commodities and iron ore from China um, in the first half of the year, then the resources names, you know, significantly outperformed. Then China had its issues around, uh, concerns around property and, and what's going to happen there. Um, and then we saw prices fall and then the resources names, share prices follow suit. Just the other day, we saw that, that China has, has started easing, which is a positive for the miners. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it, you're going from a, it effectively means that steel production it, it should be kind of less worse than expected. So it's still going to be, um, you know, down year on year, but it's going to be l- less bad, I guess. So it's it doesn't mean that this is, you know, China easing is going to 
uh, lead to a you know, significant rise in, in iron ore prices. And it's, it is something that we, we do monitor, but it is, it is pretty, it's pretty uh, difficult, I guess, with, with, with getting visibility about what's going on in China, um, something that we've always kind of found quite difficult. But we think in terms of the stocks themselves and the resources names, um, you know, they're pretty attractive from a valuation point of view. And so it's just a case of, of, of really trying to you know, take a long-term view and, and time our entry and, and exit around the edges, you know, as, as best we can, really. It's, um, I guess, if I think about my my entire career, um, which has been very Australasian-focused, um, we've talked about a... Uh, China, China slowdown um, and mm. property market bursting, and what it means for Aussie resource stocks and for New Zealand companies in that matter. So, in that vein, um, two thousand and twenty-two doesn't look any different from any other year in terms of those yes. those worries that a naysayer would bring up. And I'm not a resources analyst, even though I cover have covered Australasia. Um, equity, Australian equities for years. Um, yeah, resources still do my head in, and, and, and I I'm trying to outsource that to our to our resources analyst, um, who is much more much more across it than I am. Leave it to Tama, right? He's yeah, uh, he's yeah, been exactly. doing it for a bit longer. <laughs> hey, um, so we've had a combination of um, big big picture views and some and some stock specific stories, which are really just fascinating for you know for all of our investors, ranging from people um, trading shares on ASB Securities through to people in, in our portfolios and, and and other investments. So let's wrap up with just some uh, big picture things. And so what's the thing you've found most interesting about the year that's been as a um, as one of the finishing questions? Oh, good question. Yeah, I think it kind of comes back to kind of our, our beginning discussion, really, I think is that I found most interesting this year is just how short-term focused the markets can get and how long-term focused I or we need to be as a fund manager. In order to generate alpha and, and to outperform, you can't be reactive. Um, you, it's too late if you're kind of reacting. So you need to really take that long-term view and just how important it is to invest in uh, you know high-quality businesses because they're the ones that are going to come out stronger they're the ones that aren't going to have to raise raise money. They're going to they're going to be able to you know invest and continue to grow and, and, and build that kind of defensive position. So, I think that's probably um, one thing that I've found yeah the most interesting is just how short term focused um, the, the the markets can be and, and how and how frustrating that can be from a fund management uh, fund manager's point of view. Yeah, I th- I think. Um Things have um, not only have they been short-term focused, and in my space, forecasting mortgage rates. Um, in some cases, they've needed to be because the 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 thing which has um, been most interesting for me has been the massive change in interest rate markets. Mm. And to your point, how quickly we changed our focus from COVID and it's yeah. all being hard and economies are going to underperform to inflation. And suddenly we've got mortgage rates that are over 2% higher than what they were at the, uh, at the mm. start of the year. Um, inflation, interest rates, they all have a big impact on our customers. And it's been good to be able to help them on both fronts, particularly when um, when things are moving so fast. And hey, on a personal note, in between lockdowns, I managed to get a commercial pilot's license. So that was a, um, a personal highlight for me. Um, and so what's your focus going to be for 2022, do you think? Um, 
well, I, I'm not getting my pilot's license, but <laughs> <laughs> go you. That's great. Is that so that you can leave the country while everyone else is stuck here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to become a. I'm going to become one of these people that fly uh, desperate uh, trans Tasman <laughs> yeah. travellers around. I think for me, I think personally, I um, I think I'm really focused on on making sure I take a break. Um, you know, it's been a pretty crazy couple of years. Been in lockdown, haven't taken a lot of leave, um, and so I'm really you know looking forward to taking a break and doing some domestic travel, visiting New Zealand. Um, yeah, really making the most of, I guess, you know, being being stuck in New Zealand. Uh, but then I think professionally, I think I'm, I'm going to be focused on, yeah, just how, like you mentioned, just how markets and, and our companies that we invest in really navigate some of these kind of big macro changes, um, you know, the rising interest rates and, and inflation. I think for me, uh, I haven't had to deal with a sustained rising interest rate environment Um you know, in my career. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see that kind of shift. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see how that plays out and try and navigate, <laughs> navigate as best, as best we can through, through this really, uh, you know, interesting kind of macro environment we're about to go through. Yeah. I echo those thoughts, very similar thoughts for me. And, and Hey, um, I thought that over my, um, 30-year career, I'd been through a sustained interest rate rising environment. But I realise when I look at charts going back to the 70s that actually mm. we've all been in a falling interest rate environment. But uh, given they nearly got to zero, uh, I does feel like we've turned a corner. And yes. I'm pretty sure that after a few weeks break, I'll start 2022 with a weary eye on inflation and interest rate markets, that's for sure. And um, on a personal note, we're uh, hoping that... Um, 2022 means a bit more family time and, and travel after not seeing parents and siblings overseas for a few years. So, um, mm. hey, I'll wrap it up there and, and just say thanks a lot for your time and y your thoughts. I hope you have a great break over summer and can join me again next year. You too. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully we can do the next one in person. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good to me. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on a future show, get in touch at podcasts at asb.co.nz.